We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We came to Florida to navigate or negotiate for a, a fair collective bargaining agreement. Despite meeting daily while here in Florida, uh, there is still work that needs to be done. We are seeking improvements to our CBA because significant improvements are needed. We've made no mistake about that fact over the course of the last three or four years based on what we've seen on the field and off the field. It's against that backdrop of growing revenues and record profits for owners in the league that players seek and deserve nothing more than fundamental fairness. Players want to play. We, we all know that. But the reason we're not playing is simple. A lockout is the ultimate economic weapon. That's a very fitting note to end on there. That was the voice of Tony Clark, the executive director of the Major League Baseball Players Association, the Players Union. He is the, the head, the leader of the Players Union, and right now they're in the midst, of course, of a lockout. Hour number two here with you on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. I am Anthony Heron on Twitter and Instagram at Big Ant Heron. And now let's go back out to the Circle Resort and Casino in Las Vegas Hotline, home of the world's largest sports book, where we find Bruce Levine on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine, who, of course, is our baseball analyst for The Score. You also find him on the Marquee Sports Network. And Bruce, it has been the, I mean, there's a lot of times in the baseball offseason where perhaps, you know, interest lies elsewhere and folks are wondering about storylines before and after the hot stove and such. And for the last couple of days, baseball has ruled the roost in the, in the sports interest category. But unfortunately, at least the first two series of the season met its demise today. Uh, over the last couple of days, were, did, did you feel, I, I guess, confident about where we would end up if we would be at this point or did you think there was some legitimate momentum that might get us to a deal well let's start with the walk-up music that adam stadzinski picked out uh, anthony and that is uh, zeppelin i can't quit uh, i can't quit you babe but i gotta put you down for a while uh that is that is the zeppelin song and that is exactly what major league baseball and the players are doing uh, they can't quit each other, but they're going to put each other down for a while. And uh, the reality is, to answer your question directly, uh, I was I was enthused like a lot of people were last night that uh, they had worked 13 straight hours and that uh, you know we were getting away from all the posturing and uh, that we were going to get uh, a lot of work done. I think they did get a lot of work done. So someone's going to have to correct me if I don't think that they drew a lot closer together than they have been uh, for this entire time. Uh, the, the thing that I don't understand, Anthony, is why they stopped working today, okay? Hmm. Uh, I, I, I thought if they were exp ex expanding it one day to talk, why not two or three, okay? Because ultimately, they can't walk away from the table. They, they have to get this thing done. Uh, you can go posture all you want if you're 
uh, Tony Clark, or you can go posture all you want if you're Rob Manford. That's not solving a, a, a damn thing, okay? What's solving something is what they did over the last two days, three days, and that is getting closer to the real numbers of what it's going to take to, to have a, a new CBA and a new season. And uh, for the life of me, I don't understand the, uh, okay, well, we got this far, but we're quitting. So if that's on the owners, okay. If it's on the players, okay. I think it's on both of them because, uh, the, the, you know, being reasonable and saying, hey, we're getting close. Why <laughs> should we stop now? I think that's the rhetoric we want to hear as fans and uh, people that love the game of baseball. And I, I might be viewing it through a you know somewhat sinister lens, but I suppose I feel like baseball owners, this is where they – they look at it and say we we extended our our super arbitrary deadline that, that we set on things and now i imagine they want the players to to feel the, the hurt a little bit to feel the yeah. crunch of of the, you know, the these missing checks that'll be on the way for at least the first couple of series here and i'm wondering do you think that that ownership is it, it feels easier for ownership to be resolute in, in missing checks than than the player side does do you feel that mlb owners are fairly resolute in, in wanting to sort of draw their line in the sand for the deal that they want struck at this point? Well, you know, it, it, it's, it's a player's game because uh, they're both the player and the uh, product. But uh, in reality, the owners are the ones that own the, the stadiums. They own uh, all the leases that are involved. They own all the TV and radio rights. Uh, they're the ones that... Uh, have the final say so that's just the way it is uh, you're not walking into uh, odyssey anytime soon anthony and telling the start telling them uh what you want for your next contract how much you're going to get uh it's negotiated and, th- and that's just the way of the world so we might not like it because people want to look at the players they want to look at the right or wrong who's causing this um you know right now you can blame both of them they're, they're both to blame for uh, not being able to split up this money. That, that's the only way I look at it. And uh, if, if people want to take sides, that's great. It's not going to get them to the table. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just mystified that they walk away after getting this close and then say, you know, we don't know when we're going to meet again. That's, to me, that's a joke. Are the players, we've heard, you know, some of the reporting there about the, the players, you know, the $5,000 checks that would be sent to players from, from the coffers that have been preparing for this moment, the training facility that would be available to players to, to have themselves ready, you know, for sort of a pseudo spring training, at least the beginnings of that. Is, is this a, a little different than, than past, uh, past bargaining sessions? No. Where, are, are the players a little more ready for this now? No, I don't think so. I, mm. I think that's just, I, I think that $5,000 is not going to help Max Scherzer when he misses the first five uh, days of pay. Well, he doesn't need point. it, though, right, Bruce? <laughs> you go you go find yourself a millionaire, Anthony, and, and, and tell him he doesn't need his money, okay? Tell him that he's... Tell him that he, in, in five days he's going to miss $1.165 million. And you tell me, you tell me that he's not going to miss it, okay? Because in Max Scherzer's eyes, he's worked since he's been 12 years old the last 20 years um, building uh, his business, the business of Max Scherzer, to the point where he's making uh, $140 million, $130 million over the next three years. 
not bad, but I mean, <laughs> uh, it comes with a lot of hard work and sweat. And he's not—he's not just laughing off, uh, missing a million dollars plus for the first uh, four days. So that is—that is where a deal lies. When the owners start missing opening day and 40,000 people showing up and two to three million dollars in the coffers for them and uh, the big money guys like Scherzer and Cole and uh, Trout starting to miss huge huge checks and it's not a coincidence that you have uh, guys like like Scherzer and Cole um, and Lindor on the uh, on the committee to negotiate this. It's not, it's not a coincidence that there are multi-millionaires, three of the highest paid guys in the game of baseball. That, that's not a coincidence. The, and we're continuing our discussion here with our Bruce Levine. He's on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, the, I, I guess what might be termed as kind of the rank and file players, the player, what, over two-thirds of Major League Baseball earning under a million dollars a year. So there, there are those Max Scherzers of the world, of course. And then there's the players who are at that league minimum sort of range that was getting, I guess, bumped up through negotiations here. Is there a – how quickly do you think there's the potential for a fissure there where the players are being right. represented by the guys at the top of the food chain, but there's guys at the bottom of the food chain that may feel that hurt more quickly? Yeah, well, the middle of the food chain has been eliminated, okay? Mm. Uh, so where, where do all the good middle-of-the-range players go that are 28 to 33? And where, did, where do they go to get a job? How do they get paid? They used to get paid 4 or $5 million a year uh, to be uh, role players, important ones. Because if you know anything about the game of baseball, you know that if you don't have good bench players and people coming off the bench and good relief pitchers, to set up the main relief pitchers, you're not going to win any ball games. So the middle class has been destroyed uh, because of the uh, the system and the way it is. I'll give you an example, Anthony, of how an owner thinks. Let's say owner X owns the uh, a team in uh, the Midwest, okay, and he has a payroll that he's going to put out of a hundred million dollars this year. He's got one player on the team that makes $30 million. He's got one that makes 15 He's got a couple that make 10 And the rest of them, the rest of them are going to be all entry-level players to get to that $100 million because they're going to need enough players to field a team and have a, have a 40-man roster full of good players. What I'm getting at is that no matter how much you want that guy uh, in – this mid, middle, middle area of the United States running this team, he's still only going to spend $100 million, okay? And how he divides it up, he doesn't really care. If they, he wants, if they want him to give it to all to young players, he'll give it to all. But I'm, I'm telling you, they're not going to spend more money than they want to spend in those markets. That's just the way it is. They'll divide it differently. They'll give young players more money at entry level. But the middle-class players, they'll be less existing uh, down the road. You'll have one-, two-, and three-year players. You'll have guys making a ton of money. You will have very few in the middle. And that, that's just the way it goes. And this was explained to me by a former owner of a team. He said, you're, you're not going to change the mind of those owners 
spending more money than they want to spend. They'll just divide it up differently. If you tell them to divide it differently, that's how they'll do it. So then the is there a potential fissure between the owners? And I guess does it even matter if you have the small market owners and the, the financial model is looking to be shifted, restructured? They're willing to accept some of these right. player proposals from the large market owners. I mean, how, how upset could the smaller market ownership get with their, in theory, who their partners are from the bigger markets? Well, I mean, you know, the bigger market teams, I don't think really, I think, I think, when was the last time the Yankees won a World Series, Anthony? Oh, 20, 20 years now? Well, no, not quite 20. And, uh, and how, how many years did it take the Dodgers to win a World Series? They've been spending a lot of money a, was, for a while. It was, it was 34 years, but that didn't, that didn't, that didn't stop them from uh, being big market teams spending money. My point is there's only about four or five big market teams that are going to approach going over the uh, competitive balance tax or the luxury tax, the way that people look at it. Mm-hmm. And o- over the last, over the last five-year contract, there's only been eight teams that have gone over the luxury tax, and all of them have been the big market teams, about four or five teams. So from that, that perspective, there's already a soft cap, uh, cap in place. That's why the players are fighting to get that luxury tax higher. But people aren't going to come close to it. They, they just aren't. They're, they're still going to spend what they want to spend. It's not, it's not automatic that they're going to have to spend more money. The dispersal of money will be done in a different way. And, and that's what the players are fighting against right now. They want, they want to create the illusion that there's uh, going to be more teams spending up toward the luxury tax. I don't think, it, I don't think that's going to happen. And it seems that the, the discussion about the amount of teams who make the postseason it has sort of entered that portion of the, of the negotiation as well. And, and maybe players are yeah. thinking that the, whether it's a 12-team or 14-team playoff field, that maybe that could induce teams to, to not tank, induce teams to spend, to try and compete. Do you see that, I, I, the expanded postseason? Yeah, I think it goes the other way. Mm. I think it's the other way. I think teams will be less inclined to spend more money or bring in higher paid players at the trading deadline because it's so much easier to get in. You're you're talking about basically half the teams making the playoffs. So if if that's the case, if you're a small market guy and goes, hey, with our uh, with our record uh, 82 and uh, 79, we're going to make it and we're going to have as good a chance as anybody to win. Why should we go out and spend uh, more money? We're going to be in the playoffs. We're going to make our fans happy because we're in the playoffs. But in reality, uh, it's, you're watering down the product. The, the product's going to be worse to watch. You know, you're going to have a lot of teams that really don't deserve to be in the playoffs. And you're going to make it um, less special to win the regular season like, uh, like it has been for many years. Uh, it's, you know... Does anybody really know or care how many teams are in the NBA playoffs unless the team in your city is on the cusp at the end and they're, they're seven games under 500 with 15 to go and hoping to get the 500 to make it? It's, it's not that exciting. With baseball, it's been pretty exciting over the 146 years of its existence because of how hard it is to get into the playoffs, how hard it is to win a World Series. So... I think you're watering down the product, and I think you're making 
uh, owners less competitive because it's going to be easier to get in. It doesn't seem, Bruce, that, you know, but we heard Rob Manfred and he was talking about some of the, you know, the, the rule changes, the things that baseball is saying will benefit the fans that, that they were willing to put on the table. Do you get the sense that this time away that there's any version of it where it'll be beneficial, where the game itself would be improved by the time they come back? It doesn't sound like that's being prioritized. I, I think you're, you're on the money. I, I haven't heard one thing about uh, a pitch clock. I haven't heard one thing about, um, you know, uh, shifting or no shifting. I haven't heard one thing about the three hours and ten minute average a game and how they're uh, planning to uh, <clears throat> change that. So uh, the, they, they they, neither side has been pointed about how the game's going to be uh, better to watch. I mean, you talk to anybody that's watched the game for a long time, and they'll tell you it's it's not the it's not the best version of baseball when you have shifting, when you have uh, 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 out three three uh, dominant outcomes: strikeout, walk, and home run being 35% of all outcomes. Uh, there's a there's a problem with the game, and uh, I haven't heard him talking about addressing that. Have you? I haven't heard about making it a more friendly game for the the fans. I haven't heard one word from either side saying, gee, we want the game to be better for them, and that's what we're negotiating here. So maybe that's naive to say something like that <laughs> when, you, when you've been dragged through a collective bargaining agreement problem like this. But um, I, I think they're ignoring the fact that, uh, you know, the, game, the, the sport is not as popular as it was. It's still a great sport. Still a lot of people watch it. But... Um, they're they're created they're 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 not looking at the reality of how to fix this sport. They need to do that first. You and I have talked before, Bruce, about Cal Ripken in the mid '90s, about Sosa and McGuire in the late '90s, and and what that did to revitalize things over a couple of decades ago. How how damaging might this end up being for baseball if significant time gets missed? Well, I I just think uh, you know, creating. Uh, um, anxiety for fans is the wrong way to go about it. So they're talking about now, as you have, and, and rightfully so, players going to lose money, owners going to lose money. But the reality is fans are losing watching their games that they're uh, dying to see at the beginning of the year. Maybe they're not all going to the games at the beginning of the year because it's cold out in the Midwest and out East. But in reality, uh Baseball season means an awful lot to people. It means a, a renewal of a year. It means, it means a getting away, hopefully, from the last two years and from uh, all the uh, problems that we've had to deal with as far as uh, COVID goes. Uh, they, the owners and the players have ignored that there were no fans in the stands in 2020, that there were only uh, all the fans couldn't come until halfway through the 2021 season. Uh, to me, you know, again, who represents the fans, and uh, and who who is uh, who is going to protect them other than themselves from being hurt by the game and and people not uh, paying attention to the fact that they put every penny into it themselves. I'm not for the owners. I'm not for the players. I'm for the fans, and I, I always will be, and I think everybody should, um, because that that's where it's really at. Uh, Totally, and um, I, I feel that, that the fans are being ignored and pushed to the side on this, and I think it's a big mistake for both the players and the owners.
And it's really unfortunate that that is the case for now. Hopefully it won't drag out nearly as long as what happened during the strike back in that, that mid-90s time frame because it, it certainly seemed to do some lasting damage yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, the final thing I'll leave you with, Anthony, is we talked about um, in 94 the strike and how it hurt the game, and we talked about Ripken. We did. And we talked about Sosa and McGuire. But what's forgotten is that you had uh, an older commissioner, Bud Selig at that time, that had a real vision for every team in baseball and for uh, creating more interest with interleague play, with, uh, with the fact that every team in baseball, every team from 1993 when Bud took over as commissioner until he left about six or seven years ago, Every team got a new stadium except the Cubs, Red Sox, and Dodgers. Every single team. So this was a guy of vision, even at his age and his experience. Uh, That excited the fans. Nothing created more uh, interest for fans than new exciting ballparks that were entertainment vehicles and entertainment areas uh, for people to come and do more than just uh, marketing insisted uh, just don't put up a ballpark, put up an entertainment area. And two teams got more than one, t- one stadium in that time, believe it or not. Atlanta got two stadiums and so did the Texas Rangers. So I don't know what the offer is and I don't know what the allure is for the fans next about what is baseball doing for you? What is baseball doing for the fan uh, going forward after they agree between each other? That is that's the, the next big question for me. It should be for them as well. And you, you mentioned Bud Selig there. And, I mean, there, there are very few, since you're being really generous with your time, another question did occur to me while we're talking here because most professional sports commissioners are not popular anyway. And, you know, Bud Selig certainly wasn't, but there were ebbs right. and flows to baseball back then. In what way could Rob Manfred be, be handling his commissionership differently right now? He can't because he's not really – uh, the commissioner is the wrong term. He's the CEO of the owners, okay? He works for the, at the behest of owners, right? So there is no independent commissioner who makes all the rules up by himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe the NBA had that before. Uh, maybe the NFL had it during Pete Rozelle. But there's, there's no commissioners like that anymore. So... Commissioner of baseball is really the CEO of the owners, and the commissioner of the players is really the uh, head of the players uh, association. That's Tony Clark. Uh, they're two separate. Uh, they represent uh, their clients uh, the way they want to be represented, and we're stuck right in the middle right now. Uh, and it is a, a dispiriting time, a dispiriting day for those who love the sport of baseball. But as always, Bruce, your, your coverage, your counsel is always appreciated on this topic and others. Make sure you check them out on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. I know you have the updates there, Bruce. Anthony, uh, always a pleasure. Call me anytime. I will do that. That is the great Bruce Levine here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score played you a little bit of Rob Manfred, a little bit of Tony Clark. You get some more sound from what was heard today from each side of this saga that that has played out between the MLB and MLBPA. Would love to hear from you as well at 312-644-6767. Have open phone lines available throughout, but also 
So a lot we want to get into uh, the Bulls game from last night. I haven't reacted to that yet. Also, the NFL Combine beginning, and we have had both of the, the new Bears leadership took to the mic today. So we will hear from both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus. A lot of that on the way. We're only about at the halfway mark here with you on this Tuesday evening on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We have a um, first-time situation in terms of the loss of regular season games. We've never, since we've gone to um, interleague play every day, um, we've never canceled games. Uh, so if you think about the way that the schedule works, every single day you have an interleague series where those teams are not back together enough to make rescheduling feasible. So do you think the pay, I guess, full pay and service time will, will I guess, now be something you have to negotiate with the union and players? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that um, our position is that um, games that are not played, players will not get paid for. Yeah, because how on earth could you reschedule a baseball game? When's that ever happened? They've never done that before. No, no. It's the voice of Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred speaking gibberish. Uh, I mean, it's kind of what commissioners do sometimes. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, where you have the, the college football playoff 
chair who goes out there and you represent the 13 person panel and they go out like every Tuesday night and you see him on ESPN and the pincushion goes out there and says, well, here's what the 13 people thought and why the, why the process came out this way. And so you get the, the pincushion in this case is Rob Manfred. He, he's, he's not a great pincushion. There are people who are high, highly effective as pincushions and communicate a message very well. Rob Manfred is not one of them. Uh, but as he stands out there and tries to represent what, uh, what 30 different owners feel about things and, and their various financial situations, their various cities and, and constituencies that are around. And yeah, he, he could do a much better job at that. But I'm talking about not being able to reschedule games. I mean, just say you don't want to. Like, hey, it's a punishment. We put a deadline in place. We told the players what was going to happen. And now you got to suffer the consequence. Like, just go ahead and do like the evil villain thing. I mean, Stubbs was just talking about Batman off, off air a little bit. Just go ahead and Go ahead and be the, the Batman villain. Might as well. Just just dive on in. Lean into it. Because that is essentially what this is. There's no reason that baseball couldn't reschedule some of these games. And I I was always thinking, too, because the season's already long. It already goes into November. I just push the season back a couple weeks. You know? Why not? Yeah. I, I, think, I don't think that the season should start in late March anyway. Because half of the teams have terrible weather that time of year. You know, uh-huh. if you if you have a home opening series for the White Sox or Cubs in late March, I mean, you're rolling the dice, and half the time it gets canceled <laughs> or it gets gets postponed. You know, right? And then what do they do? They reschedule it. That's how it's been always done historically, and that's where you know, for me, because obviously the folks who who consume baseball, it makes up all different demographics and interest levels and everything else. I I go to baseball games every year, but, you know, we're not amongst these people who will go to 81 baseball games every year like some folks will end up doing. But, you know, we'll go to to 10 games or 12 games. Now, you know, since COVID, maybe we go more more like five games like we did last season or something like that. But we do enjoy our time at the ballpark, but we're not going in, in March or April. You know, we're not we're waiting until till the weather's nice, waiting until, you know, our, our schedules are a little bit lighter. And then when it's there, we might decide at the last second, like, oh, here's a lazy day. You know what? Let's go out to the ballpark. We don't live that far away from either one of them anyway. Let's go get it in. And that's what we do. And for the, the dates that are out there, you know, the earliest spring training can open at this point was going to be March 8th. Now, the opening day was originally scheduled for March 31st. Now, at this point, they've canceled that first week of the season, so the earliest the regular season could begin at this point would be April 7th. April 15th, you got Jackie Robinson Day. The MLB makes a big deal out of that, so that is definitely in jeopardy at this point, but we'll see what ends up materializing from a timeline perspective there. But we we played a little bit of Rob Manfred for you throughout the show tonight. Let's hear a little bit more from what the MLB commissioner had to say as he addressed the media today. One of those was specific to the, the games being canceled and, and which games would end up being as he made that announcement today. The calendar dictates that we're not going to be able to play the first two series of the regular season and those games are officially canceled. We're prepared to continue negotiations. We've been informed that the MLBPA is headed back to New York, meaning that no agreement is possible until at least Thursday. As such, camps could not meaningfully operate until at least March 8th, leaving only 23 days before the scheduled opening day. I suppose, sure. 
you know, you, you knew, you being baseball, knew this possibility was there, knew this likelihood was there for the, the preceding weeks and months coming into this period of time. I'm curious, as I was talking to Bruce Levine about a moment ago, how how deep down this road the the player side of things will be willing to go. I mean, yeah, I mean, $5,000 doesn't mean a whole lot. It is at least, you know, the the initial sort of, you know, check that would go out because you know baseball players for spring training don't get paid that much anyway. But once you get to regular season games, then that's obviously where you know, and the the missed checks mean a lot less to Max Scherzer than they do to the guy who may be making his major league debut or you know gets called up on occasion for the big club. But you know those guys, while in theory maybe they wouldn't be completely check to check, but. It is a different discussion. Max Scherzer has plenty of money in the bank. He doesn't want to miss it, but he's keeping the lights on regardless unless he's done some awful things with his money. Maybe he's into the book of sugar or something like that. I don't know. But he should have plenty of money stored up at this point, whereas a lot of the other players uh, won't. And that's where the the millionaires versus billionaires discussion can can go awry a little bit because a lot of the players, the the players who play consistently and, and stay at the major league level for an extended period of time, yes. They are all millionaires. They should all be millionaires. But the the bulk of players, the, the vast majority of players who get some time at the major league level, they're not all multimillionaires. You know, you get your league minimum. You get your opportunity. Maybe you come up. Maybe you come down. So, I mean, the main contributor, the stars, the names you all know and, and care about and watch on a regular basis. Yeah, all those guys are millionaires. But the ones who you aren't paying as much attention to, to spend some time in the minors and some time at the big club and maybe the majority of their time with the minors and just get their shot here and there. That's what makes up a lot of, of Major League Baseball. It's what makes up a lot of professional sports in general. It's what I was in my professional football career. I mean, I, I got vested in the National Football League over the course of five seasons, but I was never a guy who reached the, the top of the roster. I was never a guy who got a huge signing bonus from a team kind of bounced around from this team to that a little bit of practice squad some active roster some injured time here and there and that's what the the career of most i mean really frankly the if you're fortunate you get that much time as a professional athlete let alone those who just get an inkling of it here or there and so that's where those players don't have as much nearly as much influence on on the direction that things will go with the negotiation but they matter and I at least do hear that portion of things being discussed and trying to get the, the benefits enhanced for the guys who are, who are perhaps more towards the, the bottom of the roster as it relates to, to baseball. Uh, Rob Manfred did, uh, in, during his time, he did address specifically you know, hurting the fans during the lockout. It's one thing that both sides you know, reference to some extent, but in the end, it, it feels kind of hollow, but let, let's hear what the Major League Baseball commissioner had to say about hurting fans during the lockout. Yeah, look, I think that um, the concern about our fans is at the very top of our consideration list, followed closely by you know places like where we're standing, um, where people's livelihood depends on baseball, spring training baseball, and uh, certainly an important part of the calculus for us and for our owners. Hard to say with a straight face that it's at the top of your priority list when Major League Baseball, when the ownership side, the management side is the one who made a conscious decision to lock the players out. And then after locking the players out, put an arbitrary deadline in place and then said we're going to begin canceling games after that. Now again, 
yes, there are two sides to this negotiation, but the conscious decision to take baseball away is being made by baseball owners. That That is undeniable for how things have played out up to this point. And so through that lens, to say that the fans are your chief concern here, that, that seems less than genuine from Commissioner Rob Manfred. Uh, so hopefully that, that won't play out too long. One thing I do want to get to later in the show, though, uh, I was texting with Studs a little bit earlier because the, what, what I at least appreciate is as sports fans have gotten more and more educated on these various matters and you know the, the, the cycle allows for, for recognizing and feeling closer to players and things like that and, and getting messages directly from players, that I, I think the public discussion about these scenarios, about labor negotiations, certainly at the professional level and just the, the rights of amateur athletes at the collegiate level, seems like people have a deeper understanding, a deeper appreciation for what the player side ends up going through. And I think the discussion is more pro player now than it ever has been at any other point in our sports consciousness. And through that lens, I'd like to discuss things from a, a cinematic perspective, some movies out there some of these you know labor versus management sports movies obviously major league in, in this scenario is the one that everybody goes to what are the other ones out there as well i want to get that in three one two six four four six seven six seven i don't know major league two obviously could go on the list as well but a lot of these movies exist out there from a variety of sports some of them see the the players in a more positive light some of them see management in a more positive light. I do want to get that in and start kind of churning out a, a little list of some of these labor versus management sports movies uh, in the next hour of the show here. But uh, I want to allow you to hear from some of the Bears brass. Let's transition to a little bit of football discussion as we end our second hour here together. As the NFL Combine began today, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus were both out there, were both addressing the media, had a lot to share about their perspective on what happened with the Bears. We'll let you hear that next here on The Score. Bears. <laughs> Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We've been talking plenty of baseball getting through this portion of the show. Talked a little bit of hoops. We had Lisa Byington on the voice and face of the Milwaukee Bucks as well. Worked in some Bulls combo also. I want to get some bears in, but uh, before I do that, I'm always curious, Adam Studzinski, about the the music beds, music bumps that we use coming in, going out. And uh, you you perked the ears, the interest of Bruce Levine earlier as we were leading into a conversation with him. Bruce got all excited. What what was it? Was it a Grateful Dead song or something? Oh, it was Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin song. Okay. I think Bruce actually misidentified the song, but he he was close. It was close enough. He got he got right, that it was Led Zeppelin and it okay. was a depressing song. That was what that was what mattered. <laughs> that was the whole the, really the whole point was a depressing song by Led Zeppelin. That was really what he needed to get from it, and he was accurate at least in that regard. It sounds like. Uh, what what was that one that you just played a moment ago? That's a song by the great Haley Williams off of her first solo album. So Haley Williams is the lead singer of Paramore. Not sure if you ever heard of them, but. Uh, that name sounds familiar. Fairly popular band that came out in the mid 2000s. It's okay. really popular with people my age, especially oh. part of the part of the pop punk craze. I would okay. say they're not really like I wouldn't necessarily say they're pop punk, but whatever. Mm-hmm. So Fair yeah, more. but they okay. they uh, and Haley Williams has been a a major celebrity crush of mine for many years. All right, and so. I'm mad at you. 
there was there has been speculation for years that she would actually make a solo album, and she did a few years ago. So that was the first single from that. It's called Simmer. It's a good song. All right, yeah, Paramore. I think what I'm actually getting that confused with is the third John Wick movie, uh, Parabellum. Parabellum. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all right. I, I think that might be what I'm actually confusing uh, Paramore with in my head. But who knows? Maybe I've actually heard some of their stuff. That bump didn't sound familiar, but I like the groove. Had a little smooth tune to it. Um, the the groove of Ryan Poles was uh, was on display in Indianapolis today. He was grooving. He was chopping it up. He was talking with the media, letting folks know how he feels about things, what his direction will be in leading your Chicago Bears. And uh, one of the things that Ryan Poles addressed was essentially the seat he was sitting in, the, the venue that he was at, and what the NFL Combine is all about. One thing that he really stated was that he, he wants to kind of keep things in context related to how he evaluates the players that are there in Indy. When you looked at the tape from this past season of your offensive line, the players you have under contract, how do you evaluate that group that you've got in the building right now? Yeah, we're going to change it up a little bit just in terms of the style. So a lot of those guys, and the message has been pretty clear, we got to change body types a little bit. we got to get lighter. we got to get quicker. And through that, I think there's some young talent that just needs to be pressed, and that's part of our job is to create competition and bring the best out of them. So I think we'll do that, and we'll see how, the, if, you know, if the cream rises to the top. And especially with the O-line play, a lot of times, and I don't want to speak for the coaches, but it's going to end up being the best five to roll out there. Yeah, it's interesting because the competitive depth of the roster at a variety of position groups didn't necessarily seem to be there. And that's normally certainly one of the focuses that those who are most responsible for the player acquisition and as much as anything, player development. I feel like I'm at least hearing from Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus discussion about that, about when players show up here in Chicago, having a system in place where they'll get better, wanting to improve the, the football players, not just acquiring talent and just allowing that to be on the field and, and sort of fend for themselves, but where guys become better football players while they're over there at Hallis Hall. That's got to be a bigger focus. One of the things I've talked about on this station and other outlets for a number of years in breaking down things with the Bears that they fell short with. And you know, I think that you know we, we've at least consistently enough here early hearing that as a, as part of the the concern is enhancing the depth uh, the the quality of talent on this roster now as the bears have kind of taken a not full on LA Rams version of all in but certainly poured some resources financially and in draft capital into getting this roster together then you know they're, they're not just rife with all the cap space in the world and they're certainly not rife with all the draft picks in the world so in, in managing not only the combine, the draft, the evaluation, but also just in knowing when to strike that first wave of free agency, that was one thing that Ryan Poles addressed today as well. There's some really good players in the press conference. We talked about Justin. We talked about Roquan. Those guys are, are talented players, and we're excited to get our hands on them and see where their ceiling is. And really there's, again, with all of the free agents that we have this year, there's a lot of needs in every place and it's not just starters but it's depth and we all know when you go through a whole season a lot of times that starting 11-22 is not going to be the group that you finish the season with so it's important for us to really make sure that our depth is taken care of as well very mature way to look at it very accurate way to look at it when you're actually trying to put a championship roster together just in in making sure that you you're acquiring talent not only just those frontline guys those studs that every team is hoping to have but and making sure you're, you're putting talent in place that would be able to 
to bail out other talent as you deal with injuries, as you deal with guys who maybe underperform in certain stretches, and you can put that competitive depth on display where players feel like they're, they're being pushed to their limit, being pushed to their max, where you're getting the most out of them because they know that if they're not getting the job done, in a lot of cases there can be someone else who's in a position to step onto the field and perform at a high level also. And that, that starts with that talent evaluation and acquisition. It starts with having a coaching staff in place, willing to do that as well. And that's part of one of the things that Matt Eberflus has been describing in, in the short time and the, the few times we've gotten to hear from him as well. And that was actually the, the, the to build roster depth. That's one thing specifically that Ryan Poles talked about today is building roster depth. In terms of the front office, we've spent a lot of time meeting. We were behind for about two weeks, and we've been able to catch up and go through the free agent process. That took about eight to nine days, and then we put another, uh, we flew our college guys in, and we watched a ton of tape, and we went through that process and kind of got what I call the board pinned down because we're still gathering information. But at the same time, we want to get some of those players in the right area and not be too affected on what goes down here because as we get further and further away from the season, you can make some mistakes by what happens in shorts and the all-star games and really you forget about the meat of the evaluation which came from the season and the information our guys were able to gather. And the the reshaping body types is something that that came up today that made a lot of headlines. And, you know, the assumption is there because Ryan Poles played offensive line that it's it's a key focus of his. And part of that is the assumption, and he certainly has addressed that as well just for him and, and recognizing how important that is just to to having the football team, having the offense and the young quarterback feel as comfortable and as confident as they can. And I think that, you know, to know that and to nurture it and even talk about how he, he wants the offensive line to, to look different, to be a little more fit, the, the body types to be a little more trim, you're certainly hearing at least a plan that's in place. You know, like I remind folks, it doesn't guarantee him anything, but I, I like what I'm hearing as far as the plan, the, the attention to detail, the focus that's there right now for, for Bears brass. We'll hear a little bit more after a timeout from Ryan Poles. I want to hear from Matt Eberflus as well, just in some of the things that they addressed today in Indianapolis. But also, as we get through the final hour that I'm here with you, I mentioned a, you know, a concept. We'll, we'll get into it in the final hour. Just some of the, the movies, that the labor versus management uh, film experience that's been there with sports movies over the years. Going to break down some of that in the final hour as well. If you got some thoughts on that, go ahead and shoot me a text. Uh, the text line out there, 312-644-6767. We'll take some calls on that. As well, we'll take a time out, get into my, my final and third hour with you, and allow you to hear directly from Matt Eberflus, the Bears head coach, as well. We'll do that next on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 